So, Drew, when I went to go pick up the tickets for the Fox Valley Roots Festival, the first of its kind to be around this area, um, I hope it's an annual thing, um, I decided to go down to Gibson's to pick up our tickets. Well, I go to Gibson's on a Thursday night, and there's a few people waiting outside the door. Looks like there's going to be some bands playing. Then I find out the Lately was one of those bands. Um, that we're going to play that night. And I get to the door and this guy has a clipboard and he's at the door and he goes on, oh, um, he's kind of looking down at the clipboard, looking at me, trying to figure out who I am. And I said, no, I, I, I'm just going in. I just need to buy some tickets. And he, he's like, well, are you on the list? And I kind of laugh and I said, the list? And he goes, yeah, the list. And I said, no, I'm not staying for the night. I, I'm just buying tickets for the show, the festival in November. Um, and then I'll be leaving. So, you know, no need to be on a list. And he goes, no, but are you on the list? So I just go along with it. And I said, well, I'm sure I'm on some list. Whether it's the naughty or nice list, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then he opened the door. <laughs> so there's my story. But I got the tickets. everybody and welcome to the Drew Han Show. We have another exciting episode for you and I apologize it's been a little bit of a beat since I put out a new episode but here we are ready to go and this one really emphasizes the theme or the direction of this show which is anything and everything top to bottom thoughts and theories by yours truly that's me Drew. <laughs> we have got a loaded episode for you. We got a lot of different plethora of subjects if you will. First and foremost I'm going to be featuring some new music from some of our favorite mile of music artists. Here in November they just unleashed a wave of new music, each of them, and I can't wait to share some of it in the podcast. We'll be doing that. And then I'm going to talk about the rhythm method. Do you guys know what the rhythm method is? If you do, you're probably like, what the fuck is he talking about the rhythm method for? And if you don't, you're probably like, what the heck is the rhythm method? Stay tuned. It's a little bit weird, but I'm going to talk about it in the podcast anyway. After that, we're going to be talking a little bit about politics. Now, don't worry. I'm not here to, like, you know, scorn you with my opinion because I first and foremost believe politics are meant to be kept to yourself, okay? But with this whole last election that we had, a little bit of the political analyst in me came out. So I'm just going to share with you the facts of the results a little bit and intrigue you and poke you with some of the findings here in Wisconsin is rather interesting. So that's going to come up a little bit later in the podcast. Trust me, if you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about politics, you might just want to listen to this, okay? And then, of course, as always, I'm going to have the 441 on all things Appleton event-related and music situations coming ahead. It's greatness, people. I'm telling you, it really is. So... Let's dive right into the podcast, shall we? First and foremost, what you heard right from the top of the podcast was my dear friend and podcast co-host once in a while, Tammy. She was telling the story of getting tickets for the Fox Valley Roots Festival that happened uh, here in November in Appleton, Wisconsin at Gibson's. It's a music venue in Appleton, Wisconsin. And so they hosted this event, and it was something I've never been to before, but it sounded rather intriguing. My first thought was it was like a bluegrass festival of some sorts being staged at Gibson. And I quickly realized that it was more than that. But like any music festival that seems to be happening these days, the genre-specific idea of it is, you know, kind of pushed to the side and more it's more inclusive to everything to really pull in the crowds better, I think. I'll tell you why. Because the music featured at this Fox Valley Roots Festival was all over the place. Like I said, I was expecting a lot of banjo plunking. Uh, I saw a lot more than that. I saw a lot of talented stuff. I also saw a lot of interesting stuff. Some hard rock was placed in there. Uh-huh. Yep. It was loud. It could got a little obnoxious at times, I have to say. So if you weren't sure what to expect, you were going to probably be like blown away by what did happen. And I was. I really was. <laughs> Needless to say, there was still a lot of talent there. And one of my favorite findings 
from the Fox Valley Roots Festival was Linus and the Loot. This was amazing. I, these guys rocked it. I got some video of them. They were just amazing. These three guys on stage just plunking along on their music the best way they know how, and they sound amazing. It wasn't strict bluegrass, of course, and it wasn't like that hard rock that we were hearing also from this event. I was so confused about what the music should be here. <laughs> but Linus and the Lute brought it with this amazing vocals and just amazing talent on the instruments as well. They are actually based all over Wisconsin. Learning about them a little further, they perform a lot in the Wassa area. I think Billy Bronsted, he's the leader of Linus and the Lute, and it's kind of his music, and he gets people to join him for a lot of his performances, so it transforms into other uh, stage names like Linus and the Lute or Billy Bronsted and the Lute. And so it's a cool concept. It makes it a little hard to find the music, though, because I heard some songs that I wanted to hear like on Spotify, but I didn't really know how to track it down because I, A, didn't know the name of the songs, and B, couldn't find anything specific to Linus and the Lute. And so therefore, I'd have to listen to all of Billy's stuff, which is not a bad idea, but I really just want to go back and relive some of that music I heard that night specifically. So with that said, Plays a Lot in Wausau is from Tomahawk area, I believe, which is reaching up into the Northwoods where I come from here in the, like the Monaco area. So of course, as I try to move my, my base back to Appleton, I'm finding more and more of the music that's up here, which is just ironic and sad on my part, huh? <laughs> so it was a great festival. Interesting turnout as well as far as crowd goes. Like this is probably the most hipster event I've ever been to. And that's because Gibson's is a little bit hipster feel to it. And uh, the music and the people that perform it are a bit hipster, and so it brings the hipster crowd. Not that's not a bad thing because I like I have my hipster moments. I guess I can't classify myself as a total hipster, but I felt certainly welcome there, which was a nice thing to feel in a venue and a, in an event of this situation. You know, usually I'm the long-haired hippie. I should say, you know, and when you I, you never know what you're going to get from me, from looks to talks to feels, and all the in between. Um, but at this Gibson you know, Fox Valley Root Festival, if you will. I really did feel embraced a little bit more there, a little more at ease to be myself. I don't know, I'm always myself. That's not really a problem, but it was a neat to see an eclectic crowd of uh, and hipster-related stuff. So hipster, here we go. This is how you knew you were amongst a millennial crowd. And beyond that, too, we had a lot of different generations, you know, attending this event, which is also very cool to see. Uh, hipster is not defined by as a millennial. Hipster is just a type of person, I would say. You know, millennial is defined by a date that they were born. Hipster is a person or idea that you want to be. Let's just be specific on that. Point being, uh, they were giving haircuts at this event. <laughs> Guys could get like buzz cuts, you know, like just trims or whatever. I don't know. But there was a merch table and behind the merch table was a guy, you know, I looked at one point and somebody was getting, you know, his hair buzzed or trimmed, if you will, by another dude. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I just know some people I would bring to this event would be like, oh my god, they're getting their hair cut here? I don't really care. I just, it made me feel like a very... um Two Broke Girls moment. Like, I feel like you would find the two leads. Remember the show, Two Broke Girls? The two girls at this event, and they would certainly would be making fun of it, but also very much embracing it, which is, I guess, kind of where I was in the middle of all that. It was so, it was just very interesting to see. And again, very cool. While we were there, we got to attend the event with uh, podcast favorites and loyal listeners, Corey and Karen. It was great to hang out with them for that evening and the event. You know, learned a lot about the music through them as well. They had, they knew quite a few of the artists or had seen or heard of them before, so they could clue us in a little bit. And we all grew a love for Linus and the Loot together, actually, at this event. And further, I just want to give a little shout-out to Corey and Karen. Uh, we got to talking to them and discovered it's their 22nd wedding anniversary i believe was just either happening or coming up i couldn't i can't remember the specifics on that anymore a lot was said i just wanted to congratulate someone on or a couple i should say on being married for 22 years holy buckets i hope i have the number of years right too i just jotted that down in my notes afterwards and i can't recall if that was correct or not so Corey and karen i apologize if i'm off a little bit on that but i'm pretty sure it's 22 so congratulations to you guys Oh, I feel like I've rambled on. Have I rambled on a little bit? Why don't we get into another song? Speaking of uh, things wild and crazy like the Fox Valley Roots Festival, Lolo has a new song out, and it's called Wild. Wild! I know, it's something. Here, just take a listen. Take a listen. Feel the breath 
You just heard Lolo's latest. That's called Wild. Go download it. Go check it out if you liked it. You're listening to The Drew Han Show. And if you haven't heard it before, you've heard it here first. <laughs> like what I did there. Okay. So it's time to keep plunking along on topics that I want to talk about. And the next thing I'm just going to dive right into, because there's no other way to transition into this, is the rhythm method. And I realized after I announced it in the early parts of the podcast, you might have thought that was music-related. It's not music-related. The rhythm method I'm talking about is a form of birth control. <laughs> Who knows about this, huh? Raise your hands. If you're listening, seriously, raise your hand. I don't care if your coworkers are going to be like, what the heck? You tell them, Drew's about to talk about the rhythm method. I wonder what he's going to say on that fact. Here's what I'm going to say. What happened is that got me into this subject, which is kind of weird and an odd situation I found myself in, but I was at breakfast with my grandfather and my mom, <laughs> and the topic of the rhythm method came up. Yes. You're like, Huh? How did that happen? <laughs> Why are you talking about the rhythm method with your mom and your grandpa? Well, I can't remember the specifics of what got us into that direction other than we were talking about generations and how today's generations have fewer kids than the older generations. And we were specifically talking about my mom and her two sisters and the age gap in them a little bit, which I think just kind of led us down the road of some form of birth control didn't work there. <laughs> Leah was a little bit of a whoops-a-doozle, if you know what I mean. But a, a blessed surprise. Well, it depends on the day you catch her, if you think that. <laughs> just kidding. We love you, Leah. Anyways, my point being, the rhythm method term came up, and I was like, what? And so they kind of proceeded to tell me it was kind of a Catholic-based thing, this rhythm method, as far as when you would be having sex as a couple. And you could use this method, you know, either to conceive or to avoid conceiving. And so it was called the rhythm method. And I just started laughing. Like, what is this rhythm method? And they couldn't even remember the full name of it at the time. And I just kept thinking rhythm method. You know, I'm just like starting to get like a beat in my head, you know, like this rhythm method. Like, this is something people practiced <laughs> for birth control. So I did the research. And so I have some facts and some information on the rhythm method here. Are you ready? Let's listen along, shall you? Here's what I pulled from the Mayo Clinic website. A little overview quickly here of the rhythm method. It says, the rhythm method, also called the calendar method or the calendar rhythm method, is a form of natural family planning. To use the rhythm method, you track your menstrual history to predict when you'll ovulate. This helps you determine when you're most likely to conceive. Okay? It goes on, if you're hoping to get pregnant, you can use the rhythm method to determine the best days to have sex. Similarly, if you're hoping to avoid pregnancy, you can use the rhythm method, shake, 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 <laughs> to determine which days to avoid unprotected sex. All right? Using the rhythm method for birth control requires careful record keeping and persistence. If you don't want to conceive, you and your partner must avoid having sex or use a barrier method of contraception during fertile days each month. Okay? So it's a little bit of an overview. It goes on to say, some women choose to use the rhythm method if a complex medical history limits traditional birth control options or for religious reasons. And we're going to get in that into the Catholic aspect of that and where this whole point was conceived from. Ha ha. See what I did there? A little pun. My dad would be so proud. 
<laughs> you know, talking about some of the risks of using the, the rhythm method, obviously it's just not fail-safe. You know what I mean? And it goes on to say a little tidbit here. In general, as many as 24 out of 100 women who use the natural family planning for birth control become pregnant the first year. So that means it has a success rate of 76%, if you will. And that's going to come in handy, that number, that percentage, in just a, a short bit here. Hang on. Hang with me. Okay. What you can expect from trying to use the rhythm method, and they have bullet points and explains how to do the calculations. And I won't get into that, but just to give you know those who don't have a menstrual cycle a little idea what's involved. <laughs> You have to record the length of 6 to 12 of your menstrual cycles. You have to determine the length of your shortest menstrual cycle, then determine the length of your longest menstrual cycle, and then use the math to put this all together. You plan sex carefully during fertile days or avoid sex, whatever, however way you're looking at that, and then you update your calculations every month. Those are the bullet points of what to expect. I know, right? <laughs> It's like craziness. Who wants to do the numbers? I'm sure people do. Even if you're not trying to use this as a form of birth control, I know you might just be tracking your your period. I'm a little uneducated in that fact, I'm sure. Okay, going on, but that's why I'm educating myself right now on the rhythm method. I'm one step closer, ladies, to understanding what you're going through. <laughs> you just about want to punch me right now, don't you? Going on, it says that using the rhythm method to predict ovulation can be inaccurate, especially if your cycle is irregular. So I just want to, you know, make that fact known a little bit. Okay. Let's go on. So that was all pulled from the Mayo Clinic website. I found, I then went to another website, uh, Cosmopolitan. I know. So factual, right? What a place to get your information from. <laughs> but Cosmopolitan had an article of 15 facts about the rhythm method. Now, I'm not going to get into any of them. They're not really, you know, pertaining to the subject at hand at this moment. It's more about overall birth control and not really that specific to the rhythm method. But I found some fun, interesting tidbits. Um, it, it did reiterate what Mayo Clinic's website said, that according to a 2011 study published in Contraception, there must be a magazine about contraception, obviously. To me, it sounds like a like a, a Christopher Nolan movie. You know, contraception, coming to a theater near you. <laughs> Tonight on contraception. Anyways, with typical use, the fail rate of fertility awareness is 24%. Like I said, success rate being 76%. Okay, so going on, the one thing I wanted to pull from the Cosmopolitan article was that the number one fact is that it's not the same thing as the withdrawal method. Okay, it's not the same thing, people. Here's the deal. When I was in this conversation with my grandpa and my mom about the rhythm method, shake, 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 shake your booty, that's just what comes to mind. When I was talking to them about the rhythm method, my mom was describing it a little bit as I was half paying attention, still floored by this concept, and trying to look at the menu of what I was going to eat. <laughs> you know, I heard her say, withdraw. And... I don't think I heard her correctly, or I don't think she said the correct word, because that's my mom, and she just does that sometimes. And so she's, I think she meant to say with, withheld, like withhold sex, you know? That's what the Catholics did. They'd withhold sex as part, you know, the rhythm method. And so I heard her say withdraw, and I turned, and I'm like, what? You guys are doing the withdrawal method as a form of birth control in, in the Catholic religion? <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So that's what the Cosmopolitan magazine cited, and so I'll just read it a little bit further for you if you don't understand what I'm talking about. It's the pull-out method. And it says, withdrawal is a practice where a man literally withdraws his penis before ejaculating. <laughs> I just said penis and ejaculating in my podcast. How crazy does it get? Anyways, fertility awareness and withdrawal can be practiced together. Hmm. Hand in glove. <laughs> I got a lot of puns here. Oh my gosh. Let me repeat that so you can stay with my train of thought. Fertility awareness and withdrawal can be practiced together, but withdrawing before ejaculation isn't technically part of the deal here. According to Planned Parenthood, the withdrawal method is 78% effective. As you can tell, also not great comparison or comparative to the rhythm method, which is 76% effective. So actually, the withdrawal method is a little bit better than the rhythm method. I mean, a little bit of rhythm and withdrawal is not good. <laughs> oh, Jesus. True. Oh, so that was a little fun fact from Cosmopolitan Magazine. I think that was the only thing I pulled from that website. Okay. Getting in quickly here, a little bit more information, if you will, how it relates to religion. That was my key thing I wanted to find out, okay? 
So that leads me to the OK method. That's the beginning of the research of the ovulation period, if you will. In the 1920s and 1930s, two gynecologists, Kyusuku Ojino and Herman Noss, and so that's their last names are Ojina and Noss with the letters OK. So it started as the OK method studied ovulation carefully. They concluded that it normally occurs from 12 to 16 days before the onset of menstrual period. All right? So they are the basis studying of the menstrual cycle, I guess. Okay? Okay. (laughs) It later goes on. Now, I found this is cited from another website online that's got a very long name and doesn't really have a specific, you know, place. It's just a Google search that I found. So if you want to know the website, just holler at me. It later, so it goes on to say that Leo Latz is, who's an American, a Chicago doctor, became the leading proponent of the OK method. He published The Rhythm of Sterility and Fertility in Women. And that was published in 1932. And it sold over 200,000 copies by 1942. See, Latz advised avoiding intercourse for eight days for women with regular menstrual cycle. This began five days before ovulation with an extra three days tacked on for safety's sake. Latz, a devout Roman Catholic, championed this method of fertility control as more in line with church teachings. He published pamphlets on rhythm for priests to distribute to couples. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like a weird sentence, though? He published pamphlets on rhythm. Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake your booty. Um, and also, Parish Bingo Games gave out his book as a prize. How would you like that as a prize? You bingo! Okay! <laughs> Here's my book on the rhythm method. Go use it, if you will. Shake, shake, shake. That was quite fascinating to me, that bit of information. It says that Latz believed that the Onigo-Nos insights made the rhythm method a viable form of contraception goes on to quote, These findings of modern science disclose a rational, natural, and ethical means to space births and to regulate intelligently the number of children. Well, there you have it. Thank you, Leo Lotz, for that little tidbit. Now, as we get into how it relates to Roman Catholics and rhythm, okay? This citing says, among Roman Catholics, the rhythm method got a mixed response. Men and women anxious to limit their families saw it as a possible salvation. But Cardinal Hayes of New York cautioned, instead of being freely taught and commended, it is rather to be tolerated as an extreme remedy or means of preventing sin. The Catholic Medical Guardian reported in 1935 that the calculation of the sterile period is never easy and in many cases appears to be impossible. Advertisements in Catholic magazines for books and pamphlets on the rhythm method declined after 1934. Interest yet remained, and in 1951, Pope Pius sanctioned the rhythm method as a natural method of regulating procreation. And in 1955, over 65% of Catholic women surveyed said they used the rhythm method. Survey says... Isn't that something, though? Okay, so that is how the rhythm method and the and the Catholics all kind of go together, and it it was brought to me in that attention in that light. My mom's side of the family, you know, grew up very Catholic. My grandma and grandpa went to you know church, every, you know, every Sunday, very hardcore Catholics, and so a little insight into their their uh, birth control, I guess, is what I learned. <laughs> and clearly, it didn't work for for one of them. <laughs> I, this is just interesting information to me. I hope it was useful to you as well. All right, now moving right along, but still speaking of rhythm, uh, I want to give you a little insight into some music into the area that's going to be happening. The Rhythm and Brews concert series presented by Mile of Music kicks off here in December. That's right. Kind of hard to think about that seriously after just talking about the rhythm method, but hey, shake, shake, shake. 
And so the Rhythm and Brews brings our favorite mile artists into the area every Wednesday night at Riverview Gardens. It's a free event to attend, so I really, really recommend that you go check it out. It's a great venue. You can eat there. You can get drinks and cocktails there, and you are checking out some great music. I've been there a few times as the future progresses here, and this season specifically, I hope that I get around to checking out a lot more of the Rhythm and Brews concert series. So I just want to do a little plug for that. Speaking of Mile of Music, it's that time of the year. It's cold. It's gotten cold in Wisconsin. And I have another insight, another idea for Mile of Music. I always like to give them ideas, you know, and hope that they take them and run with them. And uh, and maybe, you know, bring me in on them a little bit, too. <laughs> Either way, I think they're great ideas, so I think they should know about them. Point being, with it being colder, a little merchandise opportunity for Mile of Music is to maybe make up some, like, gloves and hats and scarves with Mile of Music on them. We have a lot of shirts and summery clothes, but we don't have a lot of wintery clothes. And I think I might just buy me a little wintery something, like some gloves. Just some nice little gloves for walking around College Avenue with that a Mile of Music. Hey, hey, there's an idea for you. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Okay, let's get into our next song. I'm very excited about this next artist as well. One of my favorites, Caleb Holly. He's got a new jam out. It's called Just Want to Be Loved. Take a listen. Juhan Show, and I much appreciate it. Thanks for bearing with me through this podcast. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Speaking of interesting, what did you think of that latest jam? I'm totally digging that from Caleb Howley. Thank you for making it. You know, it's weird. It's giving me like Tina Turner vibes. I don't know what that's about, you know? Not that he sounds like Tina Turner, but it's got some of that 80s Tina Turner stank to it, if you know what I mean. I don't know, but in a good way. I hate the word stank, actually. 
I didn't want to say spunk because it wasn't. It was more than spunk. You know, it's it's not a twang. You know, it's it's got that eighties pop to it though. But more than that, more than that. So I had to put a nineties twist on it with a millennial sound, and that's where stank came from. Okay. Anyways, before we move on to the next subject, I want to just jump back into the rhythm method. I realize I want to put a little disclaimer out there. If you're a young adult listening to this show, I want to make sure that it's known that I am not, you know, advising the rhythm method and the withdrawal method as forms of birth control, not effective forms of birth control, okay? And furthermore, they do not, you know, protect you from STDs. So it's always, as they said in the, in the Mayo Clinic website, a form of barrier control is much more effective and protective, okay? So just keep that in mind if you're listening as a young adult. And as adults, as we also, we still have to learn, you know, the concept of contraception sometimes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, Drew. I want to jump into politics. <laughs> I know, right? That's a nice transition for you. Well, politics, like contraception, are quite touchy for the world. And let me preface with starting with that. I don't talk about my political viewpoints to a lot of people that often at all. I'm a person that believes religion and politics should be kept to yourself. And I've broken both those rules by speaking, you know, to a religious concept and now to a political concept in the same podcast episode. But I'm trying to give you factual information to entertain you a little bit more and not, you know, give you my opinion so much. And that's what I'm going to try to do with the political side with that. I just found myself very politically, analytically, you know, inclined during this last election as I was doing some research for it all. And that's another stance I just want to point out as well. When you're doing research for politics, uh, do it for yourself. Find people that you want to, you know, reach out to and get a political viewpoint, but make sure you're getting both sides of the story as well to form an opinion, basically, you know? And uh, otherwise, I don't think we should be inflicting our opinion onto people. That's the point, you know? We all form our opinion, and we all are going to have that opinion, and unless I seek out direction for what I'm thinking, I don't need to hear your point of view. I know that sounds a little bitchy, but I'm just a person that gets sick and tired of people throwing jokes out there about their political viewpoints, assuming that I have the same viewpoint as them, and they don't really know. And uh, so getting into a little bit of what happened in our latest election, I'm going to talk about Wisconsin specifically. So if you're not from Wisconsin, this might be a little less fascinating to you. But all the same, it is quite inquisitive of what happened here in Wisconsin as far as politics go. Okay, so here's the sitch, as it is while at the time of this recording of the podcast. Governor Scott Walker is our current governor, but he lost in the latest election in the gubernatorial race. I know, isn't that such a weird word? To Tony Evers, a Democratic opposing candidate. And I found the way Wisconsin votes to be very fascinating. We are a very uh, unpartied state. That's how I'm going to put it. <laughs> I think it says a lot about our state, the way we vote, and but I'm not sure what that means either. Basically, the way that it is also right now is we have a Republican governor and we have a, a Democratic Senate seating in Tammy Baldwin. And so it's fascinating that the state will vote for our Democratic Senate, but will also vote for a Republican governor. And we just, you just never know what the political uh, viewpoint is going to be coming out of Wisconsin. We're just a bunch of radical, who knows what you're going to get. But that's kind of interesting too. Good to know. If you're a young voter, a new voter, or someone who's trying to form an opinion about how they should vote, it's something to consider that you don't have to vote down party lines either. You can vote based on a person's beliefs or what they have in store for what they want to do when they're in a, a, a political seating. You know what I mean? So you don't always have to vote strictly Democrat or strictly Republican. And I think Wisconsin is kind of the definition of that. If you will, let's get into the numbers a little bit here. I want to start out by saying Wisconsin has 72 counties, okay? And I'm going to talk a little bit more specifics about that in just a second. Here's how it went as far as numbers, though, just to give you a little bit of comparison and some interesting facts that I found. In Vilas County, that's where I'm at up here in northern Wisconsin and where I voted, uh, the governor's race of the people that voted in Vilas County, 12,516 people voted for the governor, whereas in the Senate seat, only 12,473 people voted, which means there's a difference of 43 votes between the governor race and the Senate race. So 43 people who voted did not vote for a Senate situation. 
<laughs> 43 people didn't vote. They voted for governor, but they didn't vote for Senate. And I'm like, it's on the same ballot. How do you just skip over that? My only thing I can give to them is that maybe they're uninformed of that specific race, and therefore they don't want to choose a party or person, which I understand. In the same hand, though, if you're unsure, that's when you typically do tend to sway towards a party versus a person. Anyways, 43 people didn't vote in the Senate race. Now, if we look at out of Gamey County, and that's where Appleton is located in for their voting, in the governor's race, 83,414 people cast a vote for governor, whereas for the Senate seating, 82,973 people cast a vote. That's a difference. Are you ready for this? Of 441 people who didn't vote for the Senate seating in out of Gamey County. Ironic, considering Highway 441 runs through the valley. <laughs> Isn't that something? So I'm just kind of, it, it made me baffle, a little bit laughy about the fact that people will go in and vote for the governor, but they won't vote for the Senate. Again, I'm sure there's reasons for that. And I'm going to just, you know, be hopeful that they just are uneducated, perhaps, and don't want to cast a vote for that. It's just, it's still interesting to me. Okay, now moving right along into the races specifically, as I said, the governor was Republican and the Senate, Tammy Baldwin, is Democratic. And in the latest election, Scott Walker was up against Tony Evers. And here's how it went as far as like when you look at the numbers in each county, you decide they, you know, they declare it red or declare it blue, you know, so that means more people voted Democrat or more people voted Republican. And in that situation, you know, remember we had 72 counties in Wisconsin, 29 counties went Democratic for the Senate race, whereas in the governor's race, only 19 counties went Democratic in for the governor's race. Now, isn't that something considering less counties voted Democratic, uh, Tony Evers, the Democratic nominee, still won. And if you're wondering how is that the situation, it really comes down to the larger populated counties of Dane County and Milwaukee County. They voted Democratic, and so they have the larger numbers that really up the total popular vote, which is how it works in Wisconsin. It's not an electoral situation, so it's a popular vote situation. So while I say a county went Democratic or Republican, it's still just a matter of overall state popular vote. But they got more votes out of Milwaukee and the Madison areas, which helped bump their numbers for uh, Tony Evers to win the Democratic race. In the meantime, in the Senate race, 29 counties voted the Democratic way, and uh, which is more than can be said for the governor's race. Interesting, huh? The the there were flip counties. There were ten. That means there's ten flip counties in that situation. Those counties include Door, Brown. Adagami, Winnebago, Pierce, Dunn, Trampolo, Jackson, and Lafayette. In those situations, they voted Democratic for the Senate seat, but flipped and voted Republican in the governor's race. Isn't that interesting? And so if you actually look at that in terms of, you know, the landscape in Wisconsin, more counties wanted Scott Walker over the Democratic opponent of Tony Evers. And it was because of two counties, Dane and Milwaukee, really, that got the win for uh, Tony Evers. It's just an interesting concept when you look at it that way. Again, remember, it's all about populist vote. So regardless, like, Autogamy is one, you know, that's where Appleton's at. And so they vote Democratic in one situation, and then they vote Republican in another situation. Just an interesting concept, you know. And so more people voted Republican in Autogamy County, but those those votes still count towards the popular vote. So obviously, you know, it's overall more people voted Democratic in Wisconsin for Tony Evers. It's just weird when you look at the map and you see the red and the blue and you're like, how does it work? It gives you kind of an idea of the demographics of Wisconsin a little bit though anyway. So if you want to do more research, I really suggest that you go out to the Politico that's Politico, P-O-L-I-T-C-O, and do a little research on there. You can see, I think they do all the states and all their numbers. It's just fascinating in this day and age with technology that you can see these numbers exactly as they're happening, really. Oh, my gosh, that governor's race was interesting. I mean, it was still going on until midnight here in Wisconsin before all, you know, all the polling precincts were in, and it was so close, and yet I was like, I can't stay up to watch this. I'll just wake up and see what the situation is. One other thing I thought was fascinating from this political website, the one of their correspondents for Politico posted a comment regarding the Wisconsin results. <laughs> Her name's Natasha, and she said, I'll throw in two cents on Wisconsin Senate race. Tammy Baldwin's win was comfortable yet not necessarily indicative with what will happen in the governor's race. Baldwin was pulling ahead 
of Tony Evers, who is trying to unseat Governor Scott Walker, Wisconsin voters have a history of splitting the ticket. It's very interesting to look at that. Now, that was obviously posted. It was 8-12 on Election Day, so we hadn't had a result for the governor, but we knew Tammy Baldwin was going to win. Still interesting that Tammy Baldwin pulls ahead of our governor, uh, soon-to-be governor, Tony Evers, as far as like favoritism is on the Democratic side. People more like Tammy. So, anyways, I just found all these numbers and information really kind of fascinating, and you don't really get a zoom-in moment like that for Wisconsin, unless you're, like, trolling the internet like I do, apparently. (laughs) You know, the national broadcast had little to say about Wisconsin, especially at the governor's race, when I thought it was really tight, that we could they could generate some kind of, like, buzz to watch, you know, something, some little bit of competitive edge, like, ooh, Wisconsin's got a tight governor's race. And, I mean, it was literally down to hundreds of votes at one point. You know, it turned out to be a difference of thousands of votes, but as the precincts were reporting and you could see the numbers live, it was a hundred vote difference at one point. So I'm like, why are the national networks not, you know, mentioning this at all? You know, because we're Wisconsin and they don't care. But I think you need to look at Wisconsin a little bit more deeper. We are a very sophisticated state when it comes to voting. We have a lot of challenging results here. And we can go either Republican or Democrat. You never know what you're going to get. We could be a swing state almost, if you will. So... Ah, uh, that's my first tackle at being a political analyst. I have no credentials and, and no whatsoever chutzpah to really say I have an opinion or a matter-of-fact moment. But this was the information that I found during our latest election, and I hope it was a little insightful to you as well. Okay. <laughs> oh, one last thing I want to say about living in northern Wisconsin. When it comes to the election results and, and people putting their, their political beliefs and their their rights you know, like I'm going to take gun control, for example, in this situation that people voice their opinion all the time about it. And the reason I don't challenge people is because sometimes I'm not educated on everything. And other times I can see that they're not educated on everything. And it's not really a point to need to be challenged. They have their opinion. I have my opinion. And it's not going to be changed. With that said, sometimes people don't have like the bigger spectrum of things figured out in their head. And here's what's going to happen. Now, I don't sway one way or another when it comes to gun control. I'm just saying a situation that happened at my workplace. I had a coworker about my age, a little bit younger, who totes gun control and fears that, you know, the government wants to take away people's rights to bear arms. And so they were talking about the fact that you can get a medical marijuana card in Wisconsin, but if you do that, you lose the right to have a gun or own a gun or have a gun permit or whatever it is, you know? And so I was like, oh, okay. okay." He was telling me this. He's like, but they're just trying to take away your guns and here's another way that they can do it. And I was like, really? You're going to get up in arms, pun intended, (laughs) up in arms about the fact that your guns could be taken away from you if you have a medical marijuana card. But here's the deal. Think about it in the larger landscape of things. Like Michigan just legalized recreational use of marijuana. So we're right up here in the Northwoods. We're not that far away from a legal state that has marijuana. How about just get your marijuana there (laughs) and still bear with your gun? Here's another tidbit. Most of the country in a matter of years will probably be legalizing pot, okay? So the whole idea that the government's trying to take away your right to bear guns with the medical marijuana card is going to be a moot point in six years probably when it's made for recreational use. Therefore, you know, they can't stop gun control when something like pot is legal to do, period. You know, they don't say, oh, you're an alcoholic, you can't have a gun. No. So it's going to be a moot point. And it's like, you're really going to give yourself an aneurysm because right now you can't own a gun if you have a medical marijuana card. And this person specifically, I wanted to be like, do you have a medical marijuana card? Is this affecting you? So it just shows sometimes the ignorance of people. And now that they don't know the facts, but they're not looking at the larger landscape of thing, that is going to be a moot point. So let's just forget about it. Medical marijuana card is not an arguing, arguing point for how the government is trying to take away your guns. Bam! There's my political point in that matter of fact. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, if I haven't scared you away from the podcast yet, thank you for tuning in. Why don't we get into another song? Speaking of pot, Dan Rodriguez has a new song out. And it's called Green Christmas. Take a listen. One, two, three. <laughs> Grandma's in the kitchen making pumpkin pie And Papa's in his chair sipping brandy on ice And 
Everybody's happy now, but we know it's just a matter of time. And so before we all start to fight, I'm gonna get real high. We're gonna have a green, green Christmas. I don't care if everyone is suspicious. I got a Yuletide plan to take us higher than Santa's sleigh. Politics and religion It's gonna be a you and me Carefree holiday We're gonna have a green Green Christmas today The cousins are yelling About the front page news Great Aunt Linda's complaining about my tattoos And Uncle Bill is making love to a lonely bottle of vermouth And I don't mind cause I am higher than the reindeer hanging out on the roof We're gonna have a green, green Christmas I don't care if Everyone is suspicious I got a Yuletide plan to take us higher than Santa's sleigh We're gonna have a green, green Christmas So they can keep their politics and religion It's gonna be a you and me Carefree holiday Suspicious. I got a Yuletide plan to take us higher than Santa's sleigh. We're gonna have a green, green Christmas so they can keep their politics and religion. It's gonna be a you and me carefree holiday. We're gonna have. Thank you for listening to The Drew Han Show and sticking to it. What did you think of that latest song from Dan Rodriguez? It's a great holiday melody that we got to uh, get a sneaky peeky of during uh, Dan's latest visit to the Appleton area back in October for the Rad Dad Tour. He played it as kind of an under-the-radar situation. He wanted to save it for his Christmas show in December in Appleton, but he played it for us for obviously good reasons because we're an awesome crowd that showed up. And uh, I will say this, the live performance of Green Christmas is a little bit better than the recorded version, just to be a little critical there, Dan, I apologize, uh, because I th- maybe because the live version caught me off guard as something new and fresh. It had a little bit more snap to it, though. You know what I mean? A little more pop when he was singing it live. So the recorded version is a little bit more lulzy, but still great. Not complaining either way. Just I noticed a difference in the way they were performed. That's all. With that said, the Rad Dad Tour was in town. A great show. I went with Tammy and Cooper and my mom and my sis. It was my sis's first time seeing Dan. She loved him. All three of the guys. There was three of them for the Rad Dad Tour. And I, I think I mentioned this earlier in the podcast in another episode, but it included Matt Hires and J.D. Eicher. Or Eicher. I'm still not 100% how to pronounce J.D.'s last name. So we'll just call him J.D. 
He was phenomenal. I didn't know his music prior to this event. I mean, I listened to a little bit of it on Spotify. Loved it. But seeing him live, he was amazing. Nice guy. Got to chat with him a little bit after the show. Even bought a little merch from him. And then Matt Hires was always amazing as usual. Like I said, tying all three of those guys into the Rad Dad Tour was phenomenal. I loved it. Unfortunately, Appleton did not turn up for this amazing event. And it's a little hard, though. Sometimes as an artist, when you're trying to schedule dates, uh, you don't always know the landscape of every city. And there are a few dates, not many, but a few situations in Appleton, Wisconsin, where scheduling something is not a good idea in Appleton, <laughs> especially as an artist when you want to bring in the crowd. And normally Dan sells out. And so I was very surprised to see him not selling out. The numbers were very low. The nice thing about these three guys is they still put on a very phenomenal performance. They don't care about the numbers. They perform for us. And it was very sweet of them. They did awesome. And I, I love their show. Regardless, they were in town for Halloween weekend in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is always a very challenging weekend to happen to be in town. Um, there's usually some large events going on. Friday is always the large charity event at Tanner's costume contest. Vic Ferrari or Boogie usually plays. Saturday, Tanner's, they have their big Halloween bash as well. Brett Newski was also having an album release at Gibson's on that Saturday. And I believe the Dancing with the Stars local celebrity edition, it's a chair, another charity event was happening in Appleton as well. So the public was pulled a lot of places. So unfortunately, the turnout was not the greatest, but we have high hopes for the Christmas show, which I last heard was already 75% sold. So that's where it's at the Lawrence Chapel. It's the first week in December, Thursday. I don't know the date off the top of my head, but. That's okay. Just get your tickets. Go. I'll be there. Some of the other crew is going to be there. Koobs, uh, KDO's returning to town, hopefully, and Angie, hopefully making an appearance as well. So get your tickets while you can. Um, speaking of Milan Music, though, and other events happening, uh, they recently announced their New Year's Eve Encore event, which is always, you know, a little bit of uh, bringing Mile Artists back to town for New Year's Eve. Cool concept. Been to it a couple of years. Lolo returned one time. Phenomenal. It was fun. This year, they announced their latest lineup, and I have to say, I'm a little shocked, Mile, <laughs> because they listed in the description as fan favorites from past Mile of Music returning, and then they listed the names, and I don't know a single name off this list. I'm like, how are these fan favorites? Am I that out of the loop about people at Mile? I mean, I guess I can't know all the artists at Mile, because there's over, like, what, 200 artists? But I still have a good level hand on what's happening with Mile Music artists. Anyways, here are the artists listed to be at the Mile Music New Year's Encore Eve. And it's C2 and the Brothers Reed, Chestnut Grove, the Brothers Footman, and Elliot Blafus. <laughs> Blafus. Blafus. I don't know any of those people. I've never heard them. I've never seen them. Maybe their music is on the Mile of Music Spotify playlist, and I would recognize the song if I heard it, but it was never enough to make me go see them at Mile of Music. Now, like I said, I can't know all the artists, but I just absolutely know none of these. Not one artist of the four do I know at for Mile of Music's New Year's Encore Eve. It's just a little baffling to me. Needless to say, I'm sure it will be a great show. And I'm not sure what I'm doing for New Year's yet, but I will keep you in the loop on anything that might else be happening in the area as far as mile music goes. Okay, let's get into the next song. Speaking of a rad dad, let's play another J.D. Iker song. He's got a new song out. I think it's kind of a re-release, actually, of the song Money Back Acoustic Version. Take a listen. Never sat among the rich men. I'd be outclassed in the country clubs. I can't weather what the poor can. And I'd be too fat for fitting in the slums. But I'm one or the other in this town. Land of the free, no middle ground. This is worse than a wash. We took a bath and all the dirt stood on our hands. I don't want my money back. I don't want my money back I don't want my money back I just want some change We had a country finally growing up Finally getting by a broken boot Finally understanding love is love And trying to see beneath some skin But what's a win without a setback? What good's a peace without a war in a ratings bomb? They used to say we were the dreamland. 
free traded Mickey Mouse for Donald Duck. I don't want my money back. I don't want my money back. I don't want my money back. I just want some change. They're taken from me or they're hurting you. It isn't always cut and dry and clear. We still know it's not okay. I won't be numb when I can feel it. A starstruck better yet way. I don't want my money back. I don't want my money back. I don't want my money back. I just want some change. I don't want my money back. I don't want my money back. I don't want my money back. I just need some change. Oh, 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 oh. oh. Hey there, folks. Thanks for listening to The Drew Hahn Show. If you've made it this far, man, do I applaud you. You are the best. You are a loyal listener, and I love you for that. So I always love my loyal listeners. By the way, that was the latest from JD, just again to remind you, called The Song Is Money Back. If you've liked all our music today, we featured a lot of new music. It's awesome, isn't it? I mean, I got new stuff from Lolo, uh, Caleb Howley, Dan Rodriguez, and like I just said, JD in there. You can catch all this if you want to hear it again, just the music, on a Spotify playlist I have out there. It's rightfully called The Drew Han Show, and it features all this music. And you can find it on the Facebook page for The Drew Han Show. If you're not a fan or friend, go like it right now. Go to the Facebook page and like The Drew Han Show. There you can find the Spotify playlist for The Drew Han Show also. Or if you want to go directly to Spotify, I believe if you type in The Drew Han Show, the playlist should populate also. And aside from the music I played in today's episode, there's new stuff out there from Ponce, another one of our top favorites from Milan Music. They have a new song called Lie to Me. That's on the playlist as well. Another new song from... Up-and-coming favorite of mine, Christopher Gold. I have yet to see him live and in person, but Steve, owner and operator of Fox Valley Hydro Farm, is a huge fan of Christopher and says I need to see him. And so I caught his latest tune by Christopher called Signal Fires, and it's amazing. It's got some grit to it, something about that song. I love it. It's also on the playlist for the Drew Han Show, so go check that out. Reminder of the Rhythm and Brews concert series happening at Riverview Gardens. You want to check that out also. Do it, do it. Wednesdays, it's free. You can't go wrong. Here's another amazing thing that's happening, and I can't wait. So I've talked about in the podcast the fact that the Refuge Lounge closed. It was kind of like the beginning of the Mile of Music era here in Appleton. It opened just as Mile of Music boomed and was bringing in the Mile artist. Well, a little disappointed to hear that it was closing. On the flip side, though, Kyle Magna of Kyle Magna and the Monsoons is opening up a new restaurant slash bar slash music venue in Kakana, one of the burbs in the valley here, called 313 Dodge. I believe that's the name of the place. You can find that out on Facebook. I think that's the street address of the location, so that's why it's called 313 Dodge. I could be wrong on that. I'm not 100%. Anyways, it's not open yet, but it's scheduled to open this winter, 2019, and I couldn't be more excited. I love Kyle Magna. I love Kyle Magna and the Monsoons, and it looks like it's going to be a neat, neat venue to catch music at and some drinks and, and get together with friends, so I'm very excited for that. So as one door closes, another one opens, literally, in these situations, right? It's fantastic to see the music continue in the valley and spread its wings from just Appleton as well. With that said, I think I've covered everything I want to talk to you about in the podcast today. Oh, you can wipe the beads of sweat. You've made it through another critical episode of the Drew Hot Show. I've literally rambled for about 47 minutes straight just in talking. That doesn't include the music that I have to put into the podcast. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Reminder, like I said, go out to social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook. I'm all out there. The Drew Hahn Show. Thank you for listening. And until next time, smooches. To keep in touch, to say I miss you.